0: Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Hello listeners, thanks for joining me once again. This time, we're digging into a somewhat seasonal topic. Upon recording this episode, it is April, one of my favorite times of the year. Spring is my favorite, and here in the Northern Hemisphere, everything is sprouting, flowering, and otherwise taking off. And I am so grateful to finally feel that energy influencing me. I feel motivated, renewed, and powerful for the first time in months. I'm not in Aries, but I love their season. Another aspect of this season is the very sensual energy that starts rising within many of us. Let's just say it, April is kind of horny. Flowers are blooming, it's becoming warm enough that we can expose our skin, we're rolling towards Beltane, and it's the sacred month of the pleasure goddess, Aphrodite. But no, she's not our focus today. We're here to learn about three of Aphrodite's companions, the Graces, also known as the Carates. This ancient trio of Greek divinities preside over the pleasures of earthly life. A Greek proverb likened the Carates to the first cup of wine at a banquet, the first taste of pleasure and enjoyment. Now the family connections of the Graces are wide and tangled. Their parentage is not clear. Zeus is commonly listed as their father, as are Helios and Dionysus. Rumored as their mother are Hera, also the primordial goddess Eurydome, and even a beautiful naiad. They've also been linked with more shadowy potential parents, Nyx and Erebus, or Hecate and Hermes. It's said that the Graces live on Mount Olympus with the Muses, but their exact number and names have varied from source to source. In early Athens, they were a pair of lunar goddesses, Afaxa, which means waning one, and Yamini, which means mastery but the most commonly recognized form of the group is the trio of Aglaia, Euphrosyne, and Talia. In Sparta, Talia may have been replaced by Cleta. They're mentioned by Homer in the Iliad and Odyssey, bestowing beauty on mortals, but their names are not specified, and they're often considered attendants of Aphrodite and have even been called her sisters. In general, the graces are always charming, pleasant, embodying youth and, as their name suggests, graceful in movement and behavior. They are described dancing with other Greek divinities. Quote, At the festivities on Olympos, the rich tressed Carates and cheerful Horai dance with Harmonia and youth and Aphrodite, daughter of Zeus, holding each other by the wrist. You may have seen the trio pictured similarly in Greek and Roman art, attractive young women dancing happily or embracing one another. They've been depicted on classical Greek pottery, sculptures, and coins. They're represented on the throne of Zeus at Olympia, and they appear in a wedding scene on a well-known vase from 570 BCE. As classical representations of beauty, they've been shown both dressed and nude. And a single grace is actually shown just to the right of Venus as she emerges from the sea in Botticelli's well-known work, Birth of Venus she's offering the goddess a robe, alluding to the lore that the Carates were present to greet Aphrodite as she rose from the sea, dressing her and tending to her grooming needs by massaging her with fine oil, styling her hair, etc. The graces are each patrons of specific pleasures. Around 700 BCE, the Greek poet Hesiod wrote Theogony, which describes the origins and genealogies of Greek divinities, in Theogony, he describes three graces with the following characteristics Aglaia as the personification of radiance, beauty, and youth, Euphrosyne as joy, merriment, and delight, and Talia as flowering, overflowing, and abundant. It's believed they can be called upon as a trio or with a focus on one in order to bring and assist with her area of specialization. Hesiod writes that they are beautiful-cheeked, and that, from their eyes, desire trickles down when they look, and they look beautifully from under their eyebrows. Hesiod shares more lore of the Graces in his later writing, Works and Days, where it says that the Graces were present and assisted at the birth of Pandora, and that they were responsible for beautifying her, dressing her in flowers and exquisite jewelry. From the Hellenistic period on, the Graces were also connected with the formidable witch mother Hecate, and are sometimes invoked in connection to her. The Graces are known as masters of dancing, singing, and poetry, and have become closely associated with roses, myrtles, and other flowers. Their long list of magical associations include flowers, botanical abundance, joy, prosperity, wealth, fertility, beauty, pleasure celebrations, creativity, singing, and dancing. If you are in any way invested in the cultivation of beauty and the physical senses, the enjoyment of life, the Graces could be great allies. Makeup artists, hairstylists, those in entertainment, and especially events and party planning, anyone who makes beauty and skincare products, jewelry designers, they could be very helpful for you. Is your mind spinning with all of the possibilities for a shrine dedicated to the graces wouldn't outdoor shrine a spot in your garden or near a rose bush be lovely and if that's not an option roses really any beautiful flower would be ideal on an altar for them any beautiful arrangement or decorations would be appropriate because they're so closely connected to singing and dancing i think offering a song or dedicating your own movement practice to them would be appreciated. Remember that offerings don't have to be physical things placed on an altar. Finally, I know it might be easy to dismiss the carate as superficial, too concerned with beauty and the less than serious concerns of the world, but my moon is in Taurus, so I just don't buy that. While beauty and pleasure are not the entirety of human experience, they are integral to it. And though the graces are depicted as classical beauties, that's because they're representations of the idea of beauty. We know, I hope we know, that beauty contains far more than what we're shown in mass media. Beauty is everywhere all at once. Beauty is in the perception of it, literally in the eye of the beholder, which means we get to decide what is beautiful. And we do that when we appreciate it and take pleasure in it. So where do your eyes linger? What about your thoughts? What beautiful ideas cause your brain to pause and roll them around? What surfaces do your fingertips love to feel? If we sweep the ideas of beauty and pleasure to the side, if we say that they're less important than the more practical aspects of life, then what is the point? If there's no grand vision to seek, if there's nothing we dream of feeling for the first time, Or the thousandth? What are we even living for? So whether you work with the graces or not, I hope you'll go outside this spring and experience it. Wear fewer clothes just to feel the breeze and the sun on your skin. Touch the blooms. Feel every velvet petal, even if you have to take an allergy pill. April is a fleeting pleasure and one that I hope you get to enjoy okay i have listened many of you have been asking for a way to participate in my courses and programs without facebook and i can finally offer that i have a new home for my courses and group programs with all content lessons and meetings hosted completely outside of facebook of course my existing facebook communities are still active and available but now i have a dedicated site where participants can purchase and subscribe to my programs access lessons videos and much more in a more organized and learner-friendly format. For example, my self-paced course, Lunar Witch, is available. Lunar Witch is packed with specific lessons, spells, and rituals to utilize the magic of every moon phase. It's suitable for witches of all experience levels. And it goes into great detail, explaining the best magical use of full moon, dark moon, and a lot more. Now, if you want to learn more about spellcraft and a variety of magical topics, Witches of all experience levels already participate in the Society of Magical Humans. It's a monthly subscription program with three different subscription levels, so you can try out the plan and content that works best for you. In the Society of Magical Humans, I host monthly workshops, new classes every month, I perform group spells for members, and we even meet for purely social hangouts. Plus, members of the tier and up get access to the deep catalog of previous classes. You can find details about each level of the Society of Magical Humans and links for all of this at blackbirdmagic.com. As always, learn how to work with me, find out about one-on-one sessions and my other group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and tell your coven. You can connect with me and find links to my programs, on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod. Sources for this episode include Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Illis, The New Book of Goddesses and Heroines by Patricia Monahan, and a worldhistory.org article by Mark Cutright.